All right, welcome to another episode of Go Boldly. I'm your host, Brian Brown, and we are here with another extraordinary, illustrious guest. I am sitting here with Dr. Michelle Nelson. She is the president of UAPRN, which is the United Advanced Practice Registered Nurses of Georgia. And she does so much in the community uh, and definitely in the field of healthcare. Definitely a trailblazer. So uh, welcome to the podcast, Dr. Nelson. How are you? First and foremost, <laughs> Brian Brown. I would like to start by saying thank you so much for having me today. And um, I'm doing extraordinarily well. Mm-hmm. I, um, I'm very excited about so many things that we have going on and um, can't wait to share a lot of it with you today. Thank you. Well, tell tell the podcast nation out there like a little bit about you. Um, you know where are you from? So we like to start it with like an origin story. So like you know, I think you're a pretty you're a superwoman, right? So every superhero has their origin story, right? You know. So what's your origin story? Like how did you you know get into you know healthcare? How did you how did you get into nursing? Well, I come from a long line of nurses. My mom is um, the original nursing superhero. And um, she is a psychiatric nurse. She recently retired, um, was a psychiatric nurse for over 40 years. And when I first started my journey in healthcare, um, first and foremost, I come from a very staunch West Indian background where you don't really get a choice. You were kind of told what it is that you're going to do. So I was groomed my whole life to become a physician Mm. and got a scholarship to NYU, a full scholarship and um, started the pre-med program and uh, discovered boys in shoes in a really big way. (laughs) And um, the grades were abysmal. So my mother said to me, there's no way that you're going to get into medical school with this. Why don't you go to nursing school? And you can do a two-year nursing degree, start with an associate's program, and then you can always go back and you can go to medical school, whatever you want to do. But I just want to make sure that you have a profession that you can fall back on. So I did an associate's degree program. And uh, 20, turning 21 at the time, I said, well, let me just get a little job so I can make a little walking around money. (laughs) So I got a job as a med surge nurse at Maimonides Medical Center in Brooklyn and said, this is for me. Nursing is for me. Well, I pretty much knew it while I was in nursing school. But once I got a taste of it in the hospital setting, I never turned back. I was born to be a nurse. I didn't know it up until that time. But it opened doors for me that had been extraordinary. And I'm very pleased that a career in nursing has brought me to this place at this time where we have so much that we have done so much that I have done personally, and so much that nursing, and I myself as part of this amazing discipline will be able to move forward to in the future. 
So um, I also knew that um, any discipline that I was in, I wanted to be at the very top of my discipline. So that always meant to me that if I was going to be a nurse, I am a nurse, I'm going to get a PhD. And I challenged myself. And I never attended any graduation. And the reward for getting the PhD was that I'd go to my PhD graduation because I was just not going to settle for anything less than that. So um, I knew that I was going to get there. I didn't know how I was going to get there. Um, I took a long winding road, but it really helped to um, groom me for all the things that I do now. So I'm very grateful for that. I, um, after I got an associate's degree, turned around very quickly, got a bachelor's degree, and started doing uh, um, uh, ICU nursing. So I worked in the surgical ICU and did some work in the cardiothoracic ICU and some recovery room work. And then I realized that I could be a greater advocate for my patients and that I was pretty smart and that um, I wanted more. I wanted more for myself. I wanted more autonomy. I wanted to be able to um, do more for patients in terms of um, not only advocacy, but um, patient care and ordering what I knew would work well for uh patient um, care and, and progressive care. And so I went back and got a master's degree and became a family nurse practitioner. And um, then my husband and I, we moved down to Atlanta and um, back to that PhD. I knew that I had to get it. So I um, applied to um, a very rigorous program, Emory's PhD program was accepted and um, the rest is history. Graduated, was recruited to, to teach at Georgia State University and where I'm still a clinical associate, well, I'm a clinical assistant, hope to be clinical associate mm -hmm. shortly. And um, really thrived there. But then I met or I, I, I had a a part-time instructor that worked for me and he said to me, Michelle, we need a secretary for this organization that I'm the president of, United Advanced Practice Registered Nurses. And I said to him, I'd be a terrible secretary because, you know, I'm not good at taking minutes and I can't, it's, they're never going to get done. Mm -hmm. So said, so done, Brian. I was the worst secretary. <laughs> that could have roamed the face of this earth. I didn't take the minutes. If I wrote something down, it flew out the car window. They never got posted. I, I was just a disaster when it came to secretary because I was a busybody and was involved in all the other facets of the board and you know really want to keep things moving and get them moving in the right direction. and. We really weren't as progressive as we, as we could have been. So I was engaging in all kinds of other discussion during the board meetings when I was supposed to be taking minutes. Mm -hmm. 
But I quickly realized that I was the worst secretary because I was not meant to be the secretary. Mm -hmm. And an opportunity presented itself for me to become the president, the state president of the organization, and I accepted. It was a challenge. I had never been the president of anything. And, um, you know, support, intuition, experience, grit, helped me to fashion a course that I think has been not successful for me alone, but for the entire organization and other leaders that we've helped to create and the way that we collaborate with other um, advanced practice organizations on a whole. So that's kind of the origin story and how I got to where I am here with you today. Okay. Well, while you were uh, in this process of becoming a nurse and, and, and that when you left high school on your way to NYU and kind of going on this med track, what is it like, and especially coming from a family that, you know, in line of nurses and you're expected to kind of, to kind of be like in the family business, right? How, is that a lot of pressure to to kind of live up to that? And did you like, did you want to, to be a nurse and did you like find yourself like, rebelling or did you kind of say hey this is what I'm going to do like how was it for you like coming up in the family business and expected to, to do that I always knew that I was going to have a career in healthcare, but I didn't know it was going to be nursing it was going to be medicine um, really no pressure because that was what I was groomed to do um, so it was an expectation and um, I was always, you know, kind of a smart kid, um, but struggled when it came to different types of courses. Like you have to be really good with the math and the science. And those weren't always my, my best subjects. Mm -hmm. So that was challenging. And, you know, I, I want to share a story about um, when I applied for the PhD program at Emory, one of the um, the people on the panel, because the full panel at that time that you had to go before, where they asked you about your background and a, a plethora of stuff, because their program is free. And so they're investing hundreds of thousands mm -hmm. of dollars in you to go through that program. Mm -hmm. So one of the um, interviewers was going through my transcript and said, you know, why would we accept you? Because your math and science grades are really not that good. Mm -hmm. So why you? And to make a long story short, I said, well, why not me? Why wouldn't you take someone like me? The math and science may not be the best that has come across your table, but Imagine if you could take someone like me and make them brilliant, then that is a good reflection on you. Mm -hmm. And if I don't perform, out I go. Mm -hmm. um, but I can promise you that out of everyone that you interview, I'm the one that's gonna be the most determined. I can guarantee that I'll be the one that is most determined 
and that I'm going to try my best to outwork everyone that has come into this program. And I was one of only two people that graduated in my cohort for that year. Mm. One of only two. Wow. So maybe not the smartest on paper, but the person who has the sheer determination, the willpower, the grit, who is destined mm -hmm. and is going to will themselves to succeed, that's the person who will. And well, that was me. Well, where did that come from? Like um, that willpower, that determination. You do have a lot of willpower and a lot right. of determination. <laughs> so was that like, you know, did that come from like, was that something that you learned or is that something that's innate? Because I, I think even like being a leader as you are over this particular organization, like you see most is it's a difference between leaders and managers. And I think that leadership, in my opinion, is something that to be a, a good leader, I think it's more so like leaders are born like you can teach somebody to manage things, but to lead and to have vision. Uh, I think that's something that's just like in DNA. So do you think that do you do you think that there was something that you learned to kind of have that willpower determination? There a certain moment in your life that you know created that, or you think that was always been there? A little bit of both. You can be taught leadership skills, most certainly, but I do believe that there have been some leaders throughout time that we have seen that they couldn't, if you take someone like the Reverend Martin Luther King, mm -hmm. he couldn't have been taught. Mm -hmm. That is just being in the moment and being the culmination of all the things you've seen, the places you've been, the experiences you've had, and the people that you surround yourself with, it's like an energy. You're going to be able to draw an energy, but also give energy. Energy cannot be created or destroyed. It is just transferred. transferred. And so being in spaces and around people that enable you to be your best self is very important. And one very influential person that I've had in my life who has taught me many of the skills and imparted those skills to me has been my mom. Mm -hmm. My mom is someone who makes stuff happen. And one thing you know about me, Brian, is there's no such thing as no. Yeah. Especially if I want a yes. Yeah. <laughs> I can make any no a yes. Mm -hmm. It's just, what am I going to push to get it? Mm -hmm. Especially if it's on behalf of people that I serve. To be a leader and to be someone that people are going to put their faith and trust in, you have to be a servant leader, a collaborative leader, and a transformational leader. That is where you understand that you are put in a position to serve and execute the will of others, not what you want to see happen. Mm -hmm. But in addition to that, 
allowing people to also feel valued and to be a part of the leadership journey. Because the mark of a true leader are the leaders that you can create and help to move forward. If you say you're the leader of anything and you can't look to the left or the right of you and say, Brian Brown, Susie Cusey, Jim Smith, on and on and on and on. These are people that I have nurtured and helped them to move into leadership positions. You really have not done your job. So that, and I think just being someone who just won't take no. I just can't take no. And I don't like to waste time. If I'm going to work with you to do something, we got to have a plan. And that plan has got to be executed because there's so much work that needs to be done, especially in our state. And we don't have time. I don't have time to work with people who are just giving lip service. It's either you're going to have results and we're going to make something happen for the people that we serve or we move into another space where we can make that happen. I think I think you're so right, and it, and it kind of something's resonating in me right now. So it's almost like because I have like people that you know work for me, like employees and things like that. And I think about like I often think about how they how they feel in their experience working with me, you know, and building what I'm building. I don't think that I put enough into like how to really develop them as leaders. Um, but I think that's very important because what, and from my, my experience having really great managers or leaders is that eventually you, they should outgrow you, right? They should. They have to be able to, to surpass you. Yeah. You're supposed to be building Brian 2.0, 3.0, 10.0, the absolute best versions of yourself because the work that you do, the work that I do is so incredible that you want it to be a legacy for you. It has to be sustainable. And the only way that you're going to be able to sustain a legacy is to make sure that other people buy into your legacy. They pick up the mantle. You're running a race. Mm -hmm. So you have to be able to hand the baton to them so mm -hmm. that they can continue mm -hmm your race, your journey. And it is also our responsibility as leaders to do that because we didn't just hatch out of an egg. Mm -hmm. Someone handed us a baton. Mm -hmm. And so we stood on the shoulders of someone else. Other people have to stand on your shoulders. I remember that I have an, a very, you know, I, I have different mentors that mentor me in different parts of my life. I have professional mentors, personal mentors, spiritual mentors, because to be a well-rounded person, all of those things have to be firing simultaneously mm -hmm. so that you're able to draw the energy from all those different parts of your life to be able to propel yourself forward. Because especially if you're a trailblazer, there might not be something in front of you to grasp onto, you're the one that's charting the path. Mm -hmm. So you need to be able to have energy from different places that's gonna take you into the unknown mm -hmm. without fear. Mm -hmm. 
And one of my mentors today, Dr. Lucy Marion, she was the Dean of Augusta University. I remember one day I called her and I was nearly in tears about someone that I work with. And, you know, we, I felt like she was taking my ideas and she was doing this and she was doing that and I just couldn't take it. And I was like, does anyone have an original thought in their head? And, you know, I'm working so hard and, you know, I want other people to do their own stuff. And she said to me, excuse me, you're good, but you're not that good. Get out of your own way, really? You're not the only leader. Other people are leaders. And what's wrong with letting someone have some of your stuff? What's wrong with that? Declare victory inside your own mind and say, you know what? Because of me, this person is doing a part of what it is that I've set up. Let them have it. Because you're talented enough to move on to the next situation. Mm -hmm. Let him have it. Let her have it. It's okay. Because there's so many more lanes for you to be in. So so what the person doesn't have an original thought or that isn't that why you exist to be able to inspire other people to do their best? You didn't create all this on your own. And so if someone has to take something that you're doing, it's fine. Mm -hmm. And after that, I felt so much better. Like, okay, mm -hmm. that's what a leader mm -hmm. does. Mm -hmm. You're supposed to be inspiring other people. And if they may not have the leadership skills that you have, we'll help them along their journey. It takes a lot of energy to do it though yeah. you know mm -hmm. but I don't sleep at night I'm just always going 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 most people who know me they're like how are you sending me emails and returning things and what it's 4 30 in the morning why did you call me well you responded to the email so that means you're up exactly that's why I called you yeah, like <laughs> I don't have time during the day so let's talk are you up yeah, yeah. Well, I guess I'm up. Well, you must be up because you're talking to me right now on the phone. So let's have our mm -hmm. thing. It's 4.30. We'll be done soon and go back yeah. to sleep. Yeah. That is, I think that is that's, that's so a, a mindset that people really have to get into is that sometimes people get into this kind of lack of mindset where, you know, I'm a, I'm a, if, if somebody comes along, I'm not going to get this client or I'm not going to get this sale or I'm not gonna have this opportunity, but it's a special mindset to realize that we are like, we live in abundance. You know, if you have the abundance mindset, then you can be like, you know what, what's for me is for me. And if this person comes along and gets what, what you know, something that I thought I wanted or I wanted and you know, it's it's okay because I, there's more opportunity out there. And I don't, it's, it, it takes, I think it takes a special person to really get into that mindset. And I think once you but once you do get in that mindset, like it opens up doors because you see things differently. Like you don't you don't live in scarcity. You don't you realize that yeah, yes, there's a lot out here. We can all win. We can all succeed. I'm gonna take you down this path. And I don't 
mean to be preachy and you know I'm not a holy roller but I am a Christian and I have a personal relationship with God where I understand that all that I do is talents that he has given me I, this is not just me this is God working through me and we've had these conversations before where I understand that to be able to to be at a bedside and take care of someone and bring them to their optimal health or to be able to to work with legislators and help craft legislation that's going to turn the state around in whatever capacity I may be working on that particular day this is this is God's work. And I know that if I'm doing God's work, I don't have to be afraid of anything because he is going to bless me exceedingly and abundantly above and beyond all that I could ever ask for. It is there for me to have. And there is a lane for everyone. I don't have to be the only person in this lane. Exactly. Because I love to party and I don't want to be a party of one. <laughs> I need to have other people in the lane too. Mm -hmm. These lanes must intersect and help people to find their own lanes as well. Mm -hmm. So it's it's okay. There, there are blessings on top of blessings for everyone to be able to thrive and grow and also inspire other new leaders, new generations of leaders, on and on. It's the only way that we're going to have a true groundswell of people that can do the work that Georgia needs. We have to have a grassroots movement afoot. And the only way we can do that is to inspire other people to step forward and step out of their shell. So with all the work that's being done, um, you know, what are some things that now you're, you know, you're the president of UAPRN, what are some, how are you guys, or how are you mobilizing your team and your membership to like, to do this work, you know, and, and, and what, what, and how do you guys help like nurses out there? Because nursing is a profession where it's like, it's like teaching where it's, it's understaffed, sometimes underpaid, they're overworked, and they don't necessarily, as far as legislation or even um, when it comes to just the business of healthcare, nobody, you know, nobody really thinks about the nurse all the time. It's always like the doctor, but you know, what, what's doctors' rights and what doctors are doing. And, but the nurse is equally as important in a, in a practice. The nurse on any interdisciplinary healthcare team, the nurse is the hub. We are the ones that are at the bedside and with that patient for the majority of the day. Everybody else filters in and comes and goes. We are the ones that are there and set the tone for what's happening with that patient at any given time. Yes, we are overlooked for a variety of reasons. And physicians are known to be the lead of the interdisciplinary team. And 
most certainly we value our physician colleagues and appreciate them for the time that they spent to educate themselves and the expertise and experience we bring. But nurses have a different um, set of expertise and experience that they bring that makes them well suited to be able to provide holistic care for patients. Advanced practice nurses in particular are well positioned to be able to save healthcare in this state. And I want to repeat that again. Advanced practice nurses can and will turn healthcare around in this so, state. So for the audience, you know, what is an advanced practice nurse? An advanced practice nurse is a nurse practitioner, a clinical nurse specialist, a nurse anesthetist, or a nurse midwife. So four designations of um, nurses who have um, who have gotten at least an additional master's degree and have done a tremendous amount of additional clinical hours that have trained them to be able to handle um, a lot of what uh, of what um, patients and clients may need. So in particular, let's talk about nurse practitioners because I'm a family nurse practitioner, proud family nurse practitioner. Mm -hmm. And research shows that nurse practitioners who are pretty much trained to be in primary care. So this means, you know, out in a community setting or in a clinic or in a, in a, in a doctor's office, we are able to see anywhere from 85 to 90% of primary care cases that come through mm -hmm. a doctor's door. And that's a win-win mm -hmm. for any physician that you work with because we can see you, you come in with sore throat, you come in, you need a physical. Mm -hmm. This allows the physician to see the more, the more sophisticated cases that require his expertise and his time. But unfortunately, here in Georgia, we have the most restrictive state and the most barriers for advanced practice nurses to be able to practice to the fullest extent and scope of practice. Mm -hmm. And the only thing that's serving to do at this time is to leave the most vulnerable among us, which are the poor and the indigent, particularly in rural areas, it is not allowing them to have full access to care that they could have if we were able to mobilize advanced practice nurses and they were able to have their own practices mm -hmm. and be able to do what they're already educated, trained, and have the experience to do today. Mm -hmm. There's no additional monies that are needed to be able to train them or to get a whole new workforce up and running. We're already trained to work today. Mm -hmm. And so that would help to save the state, mm -hmm. so, and, and this is what we need. Mm -hmm. So um, 
a lot of the work that I do, it's challenging, but it's to make sure that those barriers mm -hmm. are removed. So why, why do you think that, I mean, because it sounds, you know, there's other states that allow or doesn't have the same restrictions on, um, you know, nurse practitioners like Georgia. Why do you think that this state is, I guess, kind of behind the ball, really, is behind the curve on it. Is it has has there has it been has legislation been pushed before? Is this the first time that it's been introduced? And then what is the bigger play? Is it I I'm just trying to understand like why? Three years ago, three sessions ago, there was a a bill introduced that would allow advanced practice nurses to have full practice authority. And I want to give a shout out to Senator Renee Unterman. She was the author of the bill mm -hmm. and carried the bill. She was at that time the chair of the Health and Human Services Committee for the Senate. And um, it wasn't the popular thing to do, but it was the right thing because she understood that advanced practice nurses would be able to stem a lot of the issues in rural Georgia um, that are based on um, lack of access to care. And we have gotten nothing but resistance, resistance on every front to being able to lift restrictions against advanced practice nurses. And it comes from all kinds of groups. Sometimes it comes from within our group, sad mm -hmm. to say. Mm -hmm. And you know, you get resistance when people are fearful or they feel that they're going to lose a financial stronghold or um, they perceive themselves that you're up here but they're really up here above you. We also live in a patriarchal society where, you know, nursing has traditionally been viewed as, you know, a women's profession. And it doesn't get the rightful um, respect that it deserves. And so, you know, there's so many different things that you can say um, are causing the situation and where we're at. But I think all of these things, in particular for Georgia, as the most restricted of every state in our nation, I think one of the issues um, or where we find ourselves now is advanced practice nurses or nurses on a whole are suffering from a significantly profound and debilitating sense of apathy. Mm -hmm. And we've become apathetic for a variety of reasons because we have been so beat down and downtrodden for so long that you think things will never change, so you just give up. But it's a new day. Mm -hmm. yeah. Things will change. Yeah. Things are changing and I'm doing my part and are trying my best I'm trying my best to inspire other people to do their part too mm -hmm. 
yeah I, I think I think that's the that's the basis of it too like to do your part do what you can and because you could be you can complain about it or you can actually do something about it a lot of people don't put the time and the effort into effort into actually do something about the issues that are plaguing you know whether that's their profession their industry or it, even their race like not enough not enough uh, actual actual work put in so you guys are advocating for of course like different bills and stuff like that um, to to help nurses I, I just I just find it so interesting like I, and I get the and I get you know with and I can see with nursing being more of a woman dominated um, profession that you know I could see them you know see men really having you know keeping that a lock on that and and not really you know limiting the oversight at the same time to me it just makes it's a bigger play because not only are you helping to increase healthcare or access to healthcare in, in these rural areas but you're also going to help to stimulate the economy in these areas too so you have all these nurses all these uh, all these nurse practitioners that are able to open up practices and that's just more you know that's just more um, revenue for the city the county coming in how does how does that work on like a healthcare healthcare or or health insurance level like if that were to happen would that help you know the healthcare companies as far as like you know access access to health health insurance or, or people more people in those rural areas actually getting the health insurance because they actually have a provider to go to well first and foremost it helps the state okay okay commerce mm -hmm. you want to bring commerce to the state mm -hmm. Georgia is a phenomenal state where it is attractive on many levels for big corporations. Like we saw a few years ago that we were being, being considered for Amazon to bring their headquarters mm -hmm. to Georgia. And there are a lot of companies that have moved their headquarters to Georgia, like uh, Mercedes-Benz. Mm -hmm. We have a lot of great um, companies that are, that are here. You have Home Depot, Coca-Cola, you have, you know, big Chick-fil-A, you have mm -hmm. lots of things that are, are phenomenally placed here. But if a corporation is considering Georgia as a home base, one of the things that they're going to be looking at is the health of the state. Mm -hmm. And what I mean in terms of the health of the state is, will they be able to let's say come into a rural area where they're probably going to get some economic relief if you moved into a rural area, um, which looks great on paper, but you will not be able to ensure a healthy workforce if you move into one of the nine counties in Georgia that has no healthcare mm -hmm. providers, it doesn't have a hospital, it doesn't have a clinic, why would you choose Georgia? Mm -hmm. There are so many counties where women are dying. Mm -hmm. Maternal mortality, we're 49th in the country. Wow. Women are nice. driving 80 to 100 miles for 
care. Mm. You just had a baby, you're at home hemorrhaging, you've got to drive 100 miles to get to a provider? It is, it's outrageous. We are lagging behind third world countries. This is the United States, the greatest nation on the, the globe. But we're behind when it comes to the health of women and children. And if you don't have healthy women and children, you don't have a healthy family, mm-hmm. you're not gonna have a healthy state mm-hmm. or nation. Healthy women and children are the the backbone of everything. And we have got to do a better job of making sure that we can provide optimal health care for the people among us who need it the most. In Georgia, it seems as if healthcare is a privilege and not a right. Mm. And we've got to do something to turn that around. When you have a concentration of providers in the metro Atlanta area, but the majority of Georgia is rural, how are people getting the care that they need? I recently testified in front of a subcommittee that focused on uh, uh, healthcare in the rural areas. And one of my favorite legislators who is always ready for me, when I step up to the podium, and I'm there to talk about advanced practice nurses and how we can turn things around. She made the comment that, you know, advanced practice nurses always want to talk about going into the rural areas and they're going into the rural areas, but they're not there. They talk about being there, but you you can't find out a one in the rural area. And to anybody who doesn't know any better, they would say, oh my gosh, They're talking about all these wonderful things that they want to do, but they're not even demonstrating to us now that they are willing to do them now. What she has not shared is that an advanced practice nurse cannot go into a rural area because here in this state, you have to be supervised by a physician. It is the only way that you can practice. You have to have these protocol agreements and supervisory agreements, which are antiquated, outdated pieces of paper that you have to have in place for no good reason at all. We have 50 years of data that shows that advanced practice nurses provide quality, effective, and safe patient care. There are 22 states in our country that have full practice authority, where you can go and you got your little shingle, go hang it and have your own practice. And guess what? Those states have some of the best health outcomes. When you talk about the opioid crisis that's plaguing our state, and it's not just a poor kid smoking crack epidemic, okay? It is middle-class children in well-to-do suburban households that 
are caught up in this meth mm-hmm. issues and the pills mm-hmm. and all of that. The issue is, though, if we don't have um, advanced practice nurses who can practice in those rural areas and get those restrictions lifted, then people continue to lose. So back to the legislator that said to me, well, you know, you guys aren't going, but you're neglecting to tell everybody sitting here and people who are watching that we can't go because you have put in place or are keeping in place archaic laws saying that we can't go unless there's a physician there to supervise us. But if there's no physician there, they're not there, we can't be there either. And how are you gonna have physicians in counties where there's no hospital? Mm-hmm. How are they gonna do their work? Where are they gonna where yeah. are they going to admit patients? They're not there, so therefore we can't be there either. But I bet you we'll be there if you lift those restrictions. Absolutely. We'll be there on the double. Absolutely. So it's still skirting the issue under the table. So you your current is pretty much all over the state, and so are you. So with you going to visit chapters and being under the gold dome and still at the, you're a professor at Georgia State, like how do you like balance all of that? Like and then you're you're also a wife. So like how do to you To the most amazing husband, shout out baby. <laughs> hey. <laughs> so how do you how do you balance all that? Like doing this mission and still like having a life, you know? I ask myself that every day, I'll be very honest. <laughs> I really don't know. If someone, if I was to pull up my calendar right now and mm-hmm. showed it to the camera, people would be like, no. Really? Mm-hmm. Pretty much every hour of the day is accounted for doing something. And so to wear so many different hats and try to keep all the balls in the air, first and foremost, people are watching and they, there's an expectation on me. Mm-hmm. I voluntarily took this position, but I'm the kind of person that if I have signed up to do something, I'm gonna do it to the best of my ability. And sometimes you, you fall flat on any given day. You can't get everything done, yeah. but you've done the the best that you can, and you know I feel good about that. In addition to that, what really inspires me is when people come up to me, especially students. Mm-hmm. That's the thing that I love to do the most, which is to go around the state and speak to students at different colleges and universities and share my story. And I give it to them raw. I don't put a a bow on it. You know me. I'm from New York. I give them the New York talk. Brooklyn, New York, raw. Because I want them to see that I'm not a superhero and an ivory tower. Mm -hmm. I'm a regular girl Mm -hmm. who found her voice and... I'm on a journey every day, like everyone else, to be my best self. I've never done this before. And I'm just trying something new every day. And 
it's exciting. Mm -hmm. And it's empowering for me because I am seeing results. Mm -hmm. When I get an email of a student, I may not remember their face or their name, but when I get an email that says, Dr. Nelson, thank you for coming to speak to my class. And I'm so inspired after meeting you. I was not registered to vote, never voted before. Mm -hmm. But after hearing you talk about how I as an individual can make a difference, I've registered to vote. And I'm gonna come down to the Capitol to come work with you. Mm -hmm. And I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna do that. Just when I feel like maybe I, I just, it's not working. Mm -hmm. That's what gives me that, mm -hmm. that energy to mm -hmm. run on because it is working. Mm -hmm. And we as leaders mm -hmm. are able to build that new crop of people that are coming behind us they are watching and it's resonating. Even if you don't hear it, it just takes that one person to say, I hear you, I see you, and because of you, this is what I've done. People that I don't even know, you know, they'll come back to me and say, because of you, I became a nurse. Yeah, because of me. I'm so empowered. Because of you, I became an advanced practice nurse. Because of you, I went back and I got my PhD. Because of you, you don't remember, but you did something to help me recruit participants for my study. Things I don't even remember because it happens every single day. But I think it goes back to what you talk about with legacy, right? So number one, I think you're able to do what you do because it's purpose. It's purpose driven. It's what you. It's, it's what you love. The purpose driven. Life. Exactly, and so if you can get up and do the things you should want to do, why would you not? Why would you spend? Not, why would you not spend a minute doing it? You know, um, and then also it goes back to that transfer of energy. We're supposed to be here to transfer that energy because it can't be created or destroyed. But then you're saying like even time when you're feeling like, ah, oh, is this working? You get that energy back, and it comes. They the same energy that you transfer to somebody else, they able to transfer that energy to you to keep it keep it going. I want to share with anybody listening to this a conversation that I had with you where we talk about transfer of energy. We were talking after the Unity Conference last year and you said to me, Michelle, get ready. 2020 was going to be the year of ascension. And that day was a flat day for me. Mm -hmm. But you were sent to give me those words and to give me that message that I needed at that time. People come sometimes when you're at your lowest mm -hmm. to say to you, you're just getting started mm -hmm. and there's more for you to do. So I am that person for a lot of people, but more times than people know, I get a message from them that I needed to hear that said, all right, you slept three hours last night, but come on, girl, you got stuff to do today. You got four meetings today, you got to teach a class, and you got two conference calls tonight, and here comes conference, and this, 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 
You'll sleep tonight, but until such time, there's work to do. So to see also the people on our team, to see them fired up and to say, you know how many times I hear Michelle, I don't, I don't, I don't know or I don't get what you're saying to me right now because the way that my mind thinks it's like sometimes I'm trying to talk to people and the the, the the new initiative it comes out like verbal vomit like and they're like okay Michelle slow down I don't get this right now but I know you yeah. and I see you and I'll go over a cliff with you mm -hmm. to be able to build a team of people who say that no matter what we're going to rock out with you mm -hmm. because you're getting results yeah. We're getting results. Uh, we're going to keep this going. That's what is driving the bus. And people feel this. They feel it. At our last Unity Conference, people said, I've never seen anything like this. Who has an exhibitor hall with a DJ? <laughs> Me. <laughs> Me. Something new, mm -hmm. something fresh, something exciting. We don't want you to just come to a conference. We want you to come to the experience. Mm -hmm. Something for your mind, your body, and your soul. That when you leave, you're like, my goodness, what did I just witness? Yeah, yeah. And that is the tone you want to set. And when people have come to me and said, the, this event you did or the conference or you came and you spoke as our keynote speaker or whatever. When I step down or step away and people say, I have been changed, mm -hmm. I've been transformed, then I feel good inside to say, I got to. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I know you, you've probably always continued to work with UAPRN in some form or fashion, but like, what's, like, is there like a, like a, I know like now you're in it so but it's like is there like a another plan is there like a like it's like where 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 are you where are you going <laughs> i tell people that i never have a plan mm -hmm. i don't think i've ever had a plan in life mm -hmm. it's just not the way i do things you know how people could say one year i'm doing this three years i'm doing this five years i'm doing this this is I pray every day the same prayer. Mm -hmm. God guide me. Mm -hmm. Give me an ear of discernment that I can hear your voice. Mm -hmm. And I know what the next thing is that you got from me. And it is funny. When you pray like that, you just see a lane just opens. Mm -hmm. A door cracks. Sometimes it's not wide open and you got to take your foot and kick the door in. Mm -hmm. Or there's no door, but someone cracked the window. Mm -hmm. Oh my goodness. Am I about to do a little break and enter it? I got to climb through this window. <laughs> climb through the window. Yeah. I just don't have a plan. These th How many times have I, I walked in here today and said, oh my God. Brian, you would not believe what happened today. I got a phone call. We got an amazing opportunity. They just come because people see. They're witnessing. They're feeling the energy. And they know that some, they don't know what the something is. But they feel the, the winds of change blowing. And they want to be a part of this 
movement, the unity movement. So is there a plan? I just wait for the sign. It's what it's where God is leading me. So the best way I can put it is I do not know what I want to be when I grow up. In fact, I don't know that I'm going to grow up. I think I'm Peter Pan Peter most Pan. of the time. You know, and you're my Wendy sometimes. We're just wandering around doing yeah. all kinds of fun, fun stuff. Yeah, this is also fun and exciting to create, to be the creative mind and to have a vision and be able to go to your team and say, oh, I got a vision today. Mm-hmm. And it's executed. You see this thing that you that came to you and woke you up out of your sleep at three o'clock in the morning, the thing that came to you, oh my God, it's on paper. Mm-hmm. It's happening, it's working. And so what plan do I need? If I plan, I think I'm gonna mess it up because the thing that I'm always gonna be chasing is the plan and trying to make everything go towards this plan and not letting the creative process unroll as it should. Yeah. So people listening, if they're a nurse, nurse practitioner, uh, or just how can they, you know, be more involved with UAPR? Well, most importantly, go to uaprun.org and check us out. This organization is growing by leaps and bounds. Since I became the president of the organization and I'm going into year five now, because the first year I was appointed mm-hmm. and then I had subsequent elections. So I'm going into the, the fifth year here. Since then, we have tripled our membership, quadrupled our financial resources, four conferences under our belt, highly successful, not no little flim flam nonsense. I'm talking about fabulous conferences. We have built relationships because one of my greatest strengths is being able to build relationships with people. I might not know the thing or the person that you need to meet or have the thing that you really, really need right now, but I'm the guy that knows a guy. And I pride myself in being a connector. I share all that I know. And every resource that I have, I share. Sometimes to a fault, we like, maybe I'm giving too much. But that's my job. Mm-hmm. If it's going to help you to grow, help your organization to grow, UAPRN exists to be able to to spur growth within people, spaces, environments, organizations. So once you go to uaprn.org and you find out everything that the organization has to offer, then I want you to skip over to caprn.org. What we neglected to to share also is I am the co-director of the coalition for the state that brings together advanced practice nurses. And this is the legislative arm Mm -hmm. of the different organizations. This is where we try to do a lot of our legislative work. If for some reason your fingers just can't do the walking, Mm -hmm. meet me down at the Capitol. That's what I love (laughs) 
to be down at the Capitol in the thick of things, speaking with the Lieutenant Governor, the Governor, the Secretary of State, and everybody, these people know who I am. Why? Because I show up. Mm -hmm. And that's one lesson. If people don't get anything else out of this year, you have to show up. Show up. It's that one day that no one else showed up, and you did, mm -hmm. that you got all the spoils. Mm -hmm. Show up. And then when you show up, show out. Mm -hmm. Be willing, ready, and able to do some work. Roll up your sleeves. It may not be something groundbreaking and earth shattering, but there's needs out there. And people are always gonna gravitate to the people who show up. Exactly. If you don't have, and you don't get enough from those different sources, how else can we get more information about UAPRN? We have just partnered with the Nurse Practitioner Journal. We send out the Nurse Practitioner Journal to our membership every single month. Mm -hmm. Why? Because I want to give them more crap to read? <laughs> Absolutely not. Because as advanced practice nurses, we're always supposed to be delivering care from the mindset of evidence-based practice, which means that we are required to be lifelong learners, where you are drawing your information from what's the best and the latest evidence to be able to provide world-class care. But that partnership with the Nurse Practitioner Journal was also born to be able to um, inspire our members to write, mm -hmm. to not only be clinicians mm -hmm. or leaders, but to be scholars. We need to be able to write down all parts of this journey. How are people going to know what the journey was if we're not documenting? So be a scholar, read the NP Journal. We now put together a partnership with the Georgia Public Broadcasting. Oh, I'm so excited yeah. about that. <laughs> so we can be on TV mm -hmm. and speak directly, not just to advanced practice people, but to all the people in Georgia mm -hmm. who, can, who have ears to hear that there's a crisis and not only do you need to support advanced practice nurses, but you got to get up and vote. Mm -hmm. exactly. Vote your interests. Mm -hmm. And if there are people at that gold dome sitting in seats that don't meet your interests, what do you do? Vote them out. Vote them out. <laughs> yeah. So we're doing everything to get to people on every level. We have social media platforms. You can catch us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, Twitter, Snapchat, Flapjack, and whatever they got. Brian is our marketer. He he's we he got flap flapjack is a thing, but we don't have we're gonna make it. Yes, absolutely. You can catch us any which way. Mm -hmm. And then if you just haven't had enough and you need a concentration of Dr. Michelle Nelson, send me an email. Mm -hmm. Invite me to come speak to your organization, to your school, to your group. I am on the way. I traveled this whole 
state. She does. This whole state. I will drive to Florida and back in one day mm -hmm. to go speak to a group because there's one person there who's got to hear the message. The next leader is sitting in that room and I've got to get to Dr. Michelle Nelson, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. And um, we definitely enjoyed you. And you had a, this is a, a lot of gems and jewels in this message. And I think the biggest takeaway is legacy and, and how you, how, how do you really structure that legacy and how, and how you really act intentionally on it. Um, so I think that's, that's a huge takeaway. And I think that's going to resonate with a lot of people that's listening to this podcast so thank you so much for being here um thank you guys so much for uh joining us today on this episode and uh stay tuned for more podcasts and more episodes of go boldly thank you thank you